This is Real People, Real Politics, a podcast where we bring the radical youth to the forefront of political commentary, offering non-biased and educational discussion about radical ideologies and theories across the political spectrum. Hey everyone, and thank you for coming back for the second episode of my podcast. Today's guest's name is Andorra, and she's going to be discussing with us abolition, anarchy, and the experiences unique to a Black person in America and a Black activist in America. Andorra, would you like to start off with explaining to us the historical context between Black individuals in this country and police? Okay, well, first things first. I know the word abolition might scare some people, but sorry, those people aren't important. We can't even focus on those people because abolition is a necessity. This isn't a, should we, you know, this isn't something that we should be questioning. This has to be done for the black community to survive in this country. So abolition is a step-by-step process. It's not just one day all the police stations are gone, even though I wish that could happen. The way it's going to happen legally, if it does happen legally, will be first we defund, so we take money away from the um, millions that police police stations and police departments are getting every year, and we reinvest, which is a second step, that money into our communities. So now we can have what you see in most of our communities, we have the most McDonald's liquor stores on every block, so now we can provide healthier food options for them, more mental health resources, more counseling programs, um, volunteer work just reinvesting in our community, more jobs, more educational opportunities. So we take that money, we then reinvest in our communities to build us up and then abolition. And the reason why abolition is a necessity is because according to Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so there are five levels of needs that humans um, need to go through. And the last one is self-actualization. This is becoming the most one can be. Some people say this is enlightenment. Some people say this is Um, reconnecting with your higher self, whatever you think becoming the most you can be is that self-actualization. So Maslow says that you can't go from one, you can't just skip steps. So the first basic step is the physiological need, which is food, water, shelter, safety, the basic needs. So there's no way you can work on your love and esteem needs, building relationships, becoming the best you can be if you're still worried about, am I going to be killed in the street? Or am I going to have food to provide for my family? Or I'm working three jobs today. Am I going to have time to sleep and get some rest? So the reason why you see the Black community needs, especially us, we need money reinvested in our communities. We need time to be able to take care of ourselves. It's because we haven't been able to get past that first step because because of the criminal justice system, the drug war, everything that they've been doing, redlining, has been keeping us at this lower stage. So there's no way we can get to any type of true peace, peace of mind, if we're so worried about the basic physiological needs. So abolition is a necessity. Abolition can't be a discussion anymore. And I know people like in the news and stuff, they'll say defund more because part of it is defunding. But I do think that we should say the word abolition. Like this is something serious and people should see like how serious it is people should see that we need to abolish these systems that are killing us and i feel like us wording it in a nicer way to like make people feel more comfortable like that there's no reason for that it it leaves room for the movement to be hijacked and lost exactly no that's exactly what it is yeah we saw it we saw it with um the start of the black lives matter movement right Mm -hmm. um when people were saying, you know, we were in the streets, we were saying, you know, fuck 12, like ACAP, we don't want them here, abolish the police. And we would see um, politicians going up and being like, that's not what they meant. They actually meant they want to see some reform. They're just talking from a place of anger. They don't mean that. But that's what we meant. It's exactly what we meant. It's exactly what we mean. (laughs) Yeah. And we wouldn't have to, like, wash ourselves down or, like, cut ourselves into bite-sized pieces to make it easier for them. Like they should be, everything should be trying to make it easier for us. Like everything we've been doing is for their comfort. Like I'm tired of that. Yeah, and if you think about it, it's America's way of controlling the spectrum of political debate. It controls what is acceptable to talk about, right? Exactly. Yeah, like really you're only supposed to talk within this 
two-party spectrum only it's it's either you're on the red side or the blue side and there is no nuance whatsoever right we see this with the instances of gun control we see this with instances of how we're treating the pandemic we see this with instances of homelessness it's a it's either red or blue when really these are all like public health issues or safety hitch issues that don't need a partisan solution exactly what they do the reason why they push like Democrats, Republicans so much is because they want people to think that they have a choice and to have mm -hmm. a say. But we really don't. Democrats mm -hmm. and Republicans are two wings of the same bird. They have the same goals, the same aims. None of them is radical or progressive enough to really save Black people. Yeah. So they'll keep pushing Fox News, CNN, like making two sides, making people think that like, oh, because I don't support Trump, I'm this amazing person and mm -hmm. I'm helping make America a better place because I voted for Biden. Yes. When Biden, look at the crime bill, look at his history of mass incarceration, Kamala as well. Yeah. So I, that's why I really do stay away from um, Democrat Republican talk. Like I'm an independent, I voted Green, I voted for Howie Hawkins mm -hmm. because I don't want to submit to a system that makes it, that forces me to choose the lesser of two evils. I won't do mm -hmm. that. Yeah. So, I do, like, you won't really see me talking about um, Democrats and Republicans, but I do see what you mean. Like, they yeah. will push that, put it on the news, and try to make people think that there are sides, and uh -huh. just to make people think that they have a say, and that they're really changing something. So, going back to the Maslow's hierarchy of needs that you mm -hmm. brought up, um, I've been seeing that maybe more lately than before, and I don't know if you know KJ, she's the activist who went yeah. viral over... Kansas City and um, she basically posted something uh, branching off of the Maslow's hierarchy needs and she was saying she's had experiences with white leftists who are coming to help as allies but she's noticed that they are pretty unforgiving when it comes to black people in poor neighborhoods not being knowledgeable about gender politics or being knowledgeable about um, race politics or they're not PC enough and she was saying we don't even have our basic needs met. We're worried about the police killing us. Exactly. Yeah. How do you expect how do you expect a man from the hood to who's constantly worried about either the police killing him or his own people killing him? Okay, yeah. You, yeah. You expect him to know every gender that you guys have come up with in the last couple of years. Like that's not fair. While that's it is fair, yeah. fair. like Same while it is vegetarianism eat healthy healthy who has the are the trader joe's in the poor neighborhoods or are they in the rich mm -hmm. bougie neighborhoods where people don't need two dollars like you know what i mean it's yeah. just people don't understand that all of this is like one it's it all stems from one bigger problem like there's an umbrella and all these little um issues come under it but they don't see the bigger picture yeah so they can't because they don't live it they don't read yeah. about it enough they don't see it so I definitely do know what you're saying. Yeah. And it's just educating them and really showing them that like you don't know it all. Like yeah, you don't you need know to see how they live every day. Like there's just so there are so many factors mm -hmm. that go into the lives of black people in this country that like they don't even have a right to judge or to yeah. say anything. If you're a true ally, just fight for us. Mm -hmm. Like work for abolition. That's it. And another one of my biggest pet peeves is when they are when they do consider themselves allies and they're these white leftists who feel like they've done so much for the movement and then they find themselves um, i say when it comes to black conservatives i will turn into a black conservative solely to protect you from a white leftist trying to tell you what you can and cannot believe in that boy <laughs> is lost and i was going my god like, i wish i wish he would have came to howard maybe he would have been fixed but probably yeah. not <laughs> Like, it would have took a couple of years, yeah, but I was going through his comments, right? And I, the funny thing is, I was about to comment about how much of a coon-ass coon he is myself, but I came across, I came across this white person calling him a coon. I literally had no. to change my views for a second, and I was yeah. like, listen to me right now. You have no right as a white person to tell a yeah. black person what they can and cannot believe in. All right, that's what coming from racism. The whole, um, what's Miley Cyrus's sister's name? Noah Cyrus. Yes. Okay. Yeah. So she said that Candace Owens, like, she called her something with nappy in it, and mm -hmm. apparently she didn't know what nappy meant, even though we know, we know she. Knew yeah, nappy. exactly. But even though I definitely don't support Candace Owens in any way, I'm gonna defend her for that. Yeah. Because you have no right to use those racist words. Like, exactly. Obviously, 
like everything's from the way you look at it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like I definitely don't support Candace Owens, but I support black people. Yeah, exactly. And I will always fight to the death for black people. So. Mm -hmm. But going back onto abolition and like what it really stems from, I think we should really talk about like the historical context of between police and the black community. Do you want to like start off with that? Um, well, yeah. Um, so I don't know if you know this already, but police came from slave patrols. Mm -hmm. If you look at the badges, like it's the exact same badge. Like yeah. police are slave patrols. And slave patrols were a form of police created to catch any runaway slaves and to return them back to the slave owners. And they have the same history of obviously targeting us, torturing us, raping us, mm -hmm. the same things that they've been doing now. So we can't be surprised <laughs> that the police are these racists, Mm -hmm. um figureheads like a lot of i read this thing on twitter yesterday that someone one chief was like found at a kkk meeting like yeah he was like some high like duh like can we really yeah. be surprised mm -hmm. so that's why like there's no way america we can have an america where black people are free if we have police we can't um i was saying that brings me to um you know angela davis's our prison's absolute one thing that she said, yes. One thing that she said in this book that has stuck out to me was that reform is literally a key component of the prison industrial complex. Whether we're talking about police or the prisons themselves, it's always been a state of reform. The prison itself is a reform, right? The police themselves are a reform. All they did was change from slave patrols and taking back to the plantation to putting you in a prison where you work for what five cents and make glasses for this rich person or make license plates wow. right bring that up. yeah so like, it's it's really that's another reason why we have to point out like abolition is the answer because the entire history of prison and police is reform that's you all it is let me actually find you something there's this quote that I love. There's this account called like Vire on Instagram. I don't know if you mm -hmm. follow them, but they're just like a super radical account. Okay. The law will never hold the white supremacist settler state accountable because it would have to destroy itself. Mm -hmm. A colonial institution can never hold itself accountable or be decolonized because its very existence is a violent injustice. Mm -hmm. Empire has no morality to appeal to and it must be overthrown. Mm -hmm. And it's quotes like that. Like, I love when it just like says it like that. Like, mm -hmm. I just, people who are still, cause I, I have some friends, not some friends actually, they're not my friends, but I know some people who say they're for the movement, who posted the black square, blah, 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 but they're not, not, maybe they're not for abolition or maybe they're not against abolition, but they're not actively working towards it. Yeah. They're not, they don't see it as the necessity that it is. They don't see ACAB as ACAB. And yeah. that's a problem because I don't consider you a true ally if you can't see like that this yeah. needs to be abolished. Like this because needs it's to be so big. It's so big. Like yeah. you can't how can you say you're for us but then you don't want to abolish the police? Like yeah. <laughs> so then how yeah. are we gonna live? Like I think so. of it the same way with um like, I don't know if, if you're an anarchist, but I, 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 I definitely like, am. Okay, yeah, I'm a prevalent <laughs> anarchist. And I get the yeah. same way with um, some of my friends who are Marxists. I get really upset with them because I'm like, dude, if you look <laughs> through history, any government put in place is not going to benefit Black people. These are the same white Marxists who are complaining who when they seen the black lives matter movement instead of joining in they were like why don't you guys have this same energy for the chickens so for me uh... for me when they say oh we should overthrow this this american institution but we should replace it with marxism and like a strong like a stronger government at least mm -hmm. to and they say it's to protect yeah. us yeah. But it's not, that's so dumb because- It's because, and I realize people just can't see past, like they can't imagine something that's not somewhat like what we have. Mm -hmm. Like, unless they've seen it before or like really like read about it, they can't see a life with no government, like no big central government. They can't see communalism mm -hmm. and society like benefiting one another because they don't, like it's, 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 it's part imagination, but it's part like, learning like history and like reading like books like angela davis huey mm -hmm. like 
I don't know. It just people, unless they've seen it or like they have proof that it will work, they can't see like what we're seeing. Yeah. But we know it's possible. Yeah. More on the topic of abolition, we might want to talk about how the multiple instances of when there have been reforms put in place and these reforms literally did nothing except for give them more militarized equipment or more money to make that militarized equipment. Mm-hmm. I have a little something I'm gonna okay. <laughs> really quick. So people always speak about the body cameras because I remember when I learned that they were gonna have to wear body cameras like all the time. I was like, okay, like we'll have proof now. Like there's no way they're gonna be able to still kill us if they have a video recording 24-7 what they're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, video footage wasn't enough to get justice for Philando Castile, we also saw that video, Samuel Dubois, Walter Scott, Tamir Rice, and far too many other victims of police violence. Other reforms, while often notable in intention, simply do not get enough to the root of the issue. So even if you look through history, they've done better training. They had um, like civilian review boards where they have the citizens come and talk to the police about their issues and, and ways they can fix it. And nothing is going to stop them from killing us. Like, you have, to, you have to realize that if this entire system was created for the purpose of oppressing, subjugating, and capturing and, and enslaving Black people, there's nothing you can do besides destroy it. Mm. Like, there's, there's nothing you can do because that's why it was created. You know what I mean? So even if, like, all these reforms that have been happening, like we have the video evidence and the cops are still walking free. Right. So there's nothing you can possibly do. What, what, what can we do? Like yeah. that's why it was created. You know what I mean? That's like trying to reform, like a reform a plantation. Yeah. How, exactly. how are you going to reform that? Which actually I learned in my intro to diaspora class this year, they mm-hmm. actually did. And you will find that the laws and policies and the debates that these people had versus abolitionists versus reformists on slavery, it is the exact same conversation as abolitionists versus reformists on the prison industrial complex. The exact same conversation. It's the same thing. Um, What I had saw was, actually, let me get my notebook. What could they possibly, like what reforms could they do on the plantation? Give the slaves an extra five minutes of literally and literally the abolitionists were just like us they they hated the reforms one thing that i've noticed alani the out ab- there always been radical abolitionists yeah we've never not fought back they have never yes. been a group of us like even in african-american studies i don't know if you have that class with dr myers but like uh, he talks about the maroons like oh, we've yeah. never yeah. not had those radical to the mm-hmm. death ready to fight back. The abolitionists back then literally would say these reforms were mere rags to cover the blotches and ulcers of the system. That literally sounds just like us when we say this is just a band-aid to cover <laughs> oh up the gashes. Oh my gosh. god, literally I literally us. just read that on Twitter. Yeah, it's, it's the same thing. It's the same thing. And okay, so the reforms that they had, what happened was um, they made new proletariat laws in 1790 to encourage slave women to reproduce because one of the main argument points by abolitionists of the time was that you can tell how inhumane this practice is because black yeah. women are not having kids. They literally cannot have kids because they're living in such harsh conditions. <laughs> so anyway. They're like, it's the same, they're like, the black women are not having kids. You can see the stress wearing on their bodies. Uh, their kids are dying when they come out. It's kind of the same instances, in, in that evidence you can see in us, right? Yeah, and, yeah. 1790, they started these new laws, right? Mm-hmm. So they, the first one was that women five months pregnant get a roomy Negro house, two bedrooms for their first baby. Enslaved women with six plus children are exempt from hard labor, hard labor, notice the quotations, but to compromise their owners are exempt from paying taxes on those slaves. Then they said they put the death sentence for the rape of female slaves under the ages of 10 years old. But if they're over 10, it's okay. They are fined $100 for having sex with married slaves because they claim that they were attacking our family structure. I know this is a real thing. You're lying right now. No, this is real. (laughs) Someone wrote that out. Yes, these are actual policies that you could find. And um, the gag is, 
10 years later, literally a decade after these laws were put in place, the slave population literally dropped by over 175,000. And you know what the slavers did? You know what they did? What? They, they switched their argument around from being like, oh, it's not because we have to reform the system. This obviously proves that there's a problem with Black people. Like oh, they yeah. do now. We're lazy. Uh, the same thing. Yes. That's what saying. It's the same thing, the same argument. Yep. yep. They literally said. Time. Oh, my God. They blamed promiscuity and venereal disease for low <laughs> fertility rates in slaves. <laughs> Edward Long declared slaves would benefit from robust and good health if not prone to debauchery. Okay. Reminded me why I'm here. Yep. Okay. It's the same, just like we're the same people who have been on the abolitionist side, the radical. It's those same. It's the same. Just like yeah. And you have to realize too, the government and the Republicans and all those like top elites they need the white liberals they They need the people who say reform kneel with us like oh i hated when i went to the protest and everyone would be asking the the officers to kneel with us oh take pictures with the officer kneeling with us the chief is kneeling with us literally i went to a protest and this girl she ironically she was the one leading the protest right and we came to the stopping point where we were stopping to do speeches and the police came up and I got my my megaphone and I made sure they knew that you represent a corrupt system. Therefore, you and yourself are corrupt and there's no saving that. I don't care. And literally everybody, people, the people around me, the people of the movement were like, she's exactly right. The leader of the movement comes up to me. It's like, you need to leave the police alone. Leave them alone. Okay. okay. <laughs> Let me tell you something because I actually have a, a story that's so similar to the one you're saying. It's kind of crazy. And I'm realizing something. Obviously, like the people leading it, you have to realize the biggest movements, like if you're on the side of the majority, they're probably not the most radical. Yeah. So I just made that connection. But yeah. there was this process that I went to and the guy who's in charge, I thought he was like, like me, like mm-hmm. radical and stuff. But we were at a protest and okay let me tell you something we started walking we didn't even get 15 minutes into walking and the cops formed like a barrier around us and blocked us off like a sidewalk where we're literally allowed to walk so we were there until like 3 a.m and then they finally let us walk we stayed the whole time and so while we were there there was a trump supporter who came this is like two in the morning okay so he woke up left his bed yeah came in a trump shirt he was wearing an American flag hat. He had a Blue Lives Matter flag, like those huge ones that the Trump supporters have on their trucks. Yeah. He had one of those on one side, on the other side, an American flag. He came in Trump gear, like he came ready just to come start something. Full right? regalia. Full so, <laughs> regalia. So he parked directly across from where our protest was and is just like waving his flag, Blue Lives Matter, just this one man versus mm-hmm. like 50 of us or maybe 30 of us. So then the, the guy who led the protest was like, Let's invite him over here. And everyone's like, yeah, let's try to talk to him. Let's try to make him see. Let's try to change his mind. And I'm like, you guys really think you can change the mind of a whole 50, 60-year-old man who left his bed at 2 a.m. to come interrupt? Like, right. So that he comes Oh, over. he was old, too? He was old. He was a whole old man. Like, old Trump supporters are the worst, because you, know the the you, know you know what they were doing in the 80s. You know what they were doing in the 80s. Don't even bother. We don't care. We don't need him. We're stronger exactly. without him. So anyways, they have him come over because they want to change him. And he's just talking, oh, I support police, blah, blah. And everyone's like cuddled around him. And then I go and I'm like, you need to leave. Like, we don't want you here. And everyone like starts attacking me. Like, stop being mean. Like, we we need to be of peace. We need to be of love. Like, just like people who I thought were like more radical, I guess. Like, obviously there were like 10 who were like supporting me, but like the majority weren't. And then, guess what? The Trump supporter puts his hand on a gun he has. In wow. His and he's like, ah, like he's just so screaming, like, hey, back up, back up. Mind you, there are kids here, like kids here. Yeah. And the police did nothing. The police just stood there and watched. Everyone's screaming, gun, gun, ah, gun. The police did nothing. And then we made the man leave. And after like the whole thing happened, everyone was like, oh my gosh, like he could have started shooting us. Oh, what would have happened? I'm like, do you see that this is your fault? And like, I didn't say it like that. Yeah. But. Like, you see you begging him for his approval, um, accept us, like, change for us. 
that could have led to us getting shot. We don't need them. But yeah, but, like, we don't need him. Mm-hmm. We don't need their approval. I I came yeah, to that approval. I came to that realization not that long ago, like at the beginning of all of this. I I tried. I was like, mate, I think it's a, I thought it was a lack of education that was wrong with people because I used to be a libertarian. So I used to, I, so I used to, yeah, yeah, so I used to be a libertarian and I was like, capitalism isn't the problem. It's, it's, it's the lack of freedom that we have, you know? Mm-hmm. And it, as I went through that journey, after I came out of libertarianism and moved more towards anarchy, um, I thought to myself, it must be people have good intentions. They just need to be educated and going through and i would literally be debating with big pages like and i would be having conversations with them every day and literally i would have breakthroughs with them and then they would revert back to their old beliefs and that's when i decided that there is no point in arguing with republicans there's no point in arguing with liberals who don't want to change i don't need them to commit to them. Them. never have exactly never have that's like a big thing because like mm-hmm. People like, especially in high school, like I had this one friend. We were best friends since like third grade. And like we even went to different middle schools that we stayed friends. And then in high school, like we were friends, well, beginning of high school. And then ninth grade is Trump's election. And that's when I was like already like really like knowing like stuff that was going on. So she told me she like was like supported him, like not was voting for him, but like she supported him. His family was voting, her family was voting for him because like oh, he wow. and I was just like, because like this is like my friend for like my whole life, and I'm just mm-hmm. like, hey, let me reevaluate this friendship. Mm-hmm. So like, for like six months, it was just like, like immediately like once you told me that, like I was like, yeah, like we can't be friends. Like I, I can't keep talking to you. But my mom, who's like close with her mom now, because like we've been friends, our brothers are our best friends. My mom was like, why? Like you can't just not be friends with her because because she supports Trump. Like you guys are young, blah blah blah. blah. But no. Like, it's yeah. so much more than that. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you, if I got shot today, she wouldn't be on my side. She wouldn't be protesting for me. So, no. no. Yeah, exactly. Like, she would find some way. Yeah. So why am I going to be nice and, and be her friend? Because because what? You know what I mean? I, mm-hmm. I've, had the, the same, I've had the same dilemma. I've had the same thought process. Uh, when I went to that protest, I had gotten to the point where I got really upset because we were being peaceful and we hadn't done anything but chant, right? And we were also pretty young people. Like we were all seven, 18, 19 and younger, right? Yeah. And the police started coming out in riot gear and they started throwing gas riot at us. Riot gear yeah. yeah, and I was like, why are you in riot gear? And why are you telling us to disperse? I started reciting the first amendment. I was like, we have the right to protest. We do have a right to protest. How can you consider a protest unlawful if protests are supposed to protest against the government? That doesn't make sense to me. So I started getting really upset and I started being like, what are you are afraid you of? We are children. We are teens who are protesting and using mm-hmm. our first amendment right. And you are, you are in right here full decked out gear, bulletproof vest with guns aimed at us. What are you scared of? None of us have guns, right? Most of the people here are liberal pansies who are scared of guns. So why, so why, why do you have guns out? And it's all a power thing. Uh-huh. And um, at that moment, like, cause I started talking to him. Um, I wasn't even, I was probably like 20 feet away from the cops, by the way, okay. while I was saying all this, talking through the megaphone and the all of them and when i say all of them i mean all of them there was like 10 of them started aiming at me with their guns and i don't know yeah and i don't know if they were real guns or uh rubber bullets bullets would still hurt hurt. if they all would have shot me i probably wouldn't have survived luckily i had friends because i was at past that point anyway i didn't even care anymore I have friends that put me away. But after law of attraction. Yeah. But um <laughs> after that, after that in interaction, I thought back because when I went to school, right, I got along with most people. I got along with most teachers. I was pretty well liked overall by my school. I was the activities commissioner. I hosted the rallies, right? And I thought about it and I was like, I know I live in a conservative town, right? But these people these people claim to love me oh so much but if i would have been shot by the police tonight 
would they have realized because they know i'm a good kid they know that i study they know that i i try right they talk about they say that they love me these teachers say that they love me but i think about these conservative teachers would they have cared would they have fought for me would they have spoke up about how it was wrong that i got shot even though they knew that i was a promising youth i ask myself a question with every white person i meet with Mm -hmm. every person i meet who's not black Mm-hmm. I do because I know that that's what it comes down to like because any second I could be killed and if you're not going to be fighting for me you don't love me you're not mm-hmm. for me I don't want you in my life it's yeah. that simple it really yeah. is and people can think that that's crazy oh you need a variety of people in your life you need you need to have some people with different views no you no really I'm sorry I'm not going to have that negativity yeah. and that fake love because that's not real love mm-hmm. that's not real love and I feel like before, the reason, the only reason I had conservative friends was because I was trying to find my political ideology. And I was mm-hmm. just trying to know what, what it was. Because I think what happened was I found out that Democrats weren't shit, right? And then I started looking into other ideologies. And I almost made that same mistake as most coons do, where they, like, just jump to the next plantation. But I, their ignorance showed real quick. See, this is why, like, ugh, I'm just so happy we're at Howard. Like, mm-hmm. I'm just so happy that my classmates, I can have conversations like this with my classmates mm-hmm. because I'm tired of having to, like, ugh, like, be the one who has to, like, oh, like, teach. Uh-huh. And, like, oh, like, you know, that stuff just gets so tiring. And, like, I don't know. I just feel like we're more, maybe not, like, yeah, radical in a sense, but, like, it's deeper than that. Like, mm-hmm. I know that what I'm doing now is bigger than me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, this isn't a fight that just started with Endor. This is a fight that every single person in life I've lived before and every ancestor before me has gone through. So I feel like it's more, like, because it's so deep and because I'm, I go to an HBCU with other Black students who also have this, like, deep, like, oh, I want to find the word to describe it. But uh, I just need to be in this environment. Passion. Deep passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need this environment because I'm tired of the people who I'm, I'm tired of not knowing. Yeah. You know what I mean? I know my classes, like, where you guys stand. I know none of you vote Trump. I know none of you, like, homophobes. Like, you know, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? But when, like, I went to PWIs my whole life, and I live in, like, a predominantly white area. Like, I don't know unless I get to know you. And I don't yeah. like that uncertainty. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, so. I, I praise HBCUs all the time. <laughs> I, I even, controversially, I have this um, opinion or belief that I literally have argued with my mom about where I was like, if I have children, I will not be raising them in a predominantly white town where they're going to a predominantly white school. Because I already the came that I went through the things that I went through, oh, and no. I don't see a change okay. happening. In 2020, my siblings in the first grade are still having issues with their identity because these white kids won't mm-hmm. leave them alone. Yeah, their hair, their skin. Well, and don't let anyone make you feel bad for wanting to do that. Yeah, like be unapologetic. Like I'm sorry, I don't need to explain myself to you anymore. Yeah, you know I, mean? I don't. I'm doing yeah, what's exactly. best because I know what's best for me and for my family. And, mm-hmm. and I, they don't need that. They don't need that. Like they they don't need to be broken down at the small age of six when these white people think that their kids are too young to even learn about racism. Uh, <laughs> can we just talk about that? Oh my god. Ah, so this one family who I babysit for, like the parents didn't want to talk to the kids about the protests and police brutality. Like what? I'm so what a privilege. What a what a little really? fancy rainbow sunshine world they're living in. Like literally oh when I first moved when my family, I remember being like 10 years old and I moved from with my dad to I mean with my mom from with my mom to with my dad. Um mm-hmm for most of the week. And so we switched schools and my dad was with a nurse and he had a pretty good job. So we were living in a nicer neighborhood. Before he took me to school, he said, these kids are probably gonna fuck with you. They're probably gonna mess with your hair. They're probably gonna mess with you. Little behold, first thing they did was, oh, what are those things in your hair? Pulling out my barrettes. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. like they're like, "Mm -hmm. why are your lips so big? Like, you know, and like, it took me a long time to love myself. And I don't think that any child should have to go through that. I still cry when I, I see videos. I won't allow of, it. Yeah, exactly. I won't allow it. And like, I, I in no way like blame my parents for like, yeah, exactly. Raised in this area. Cause like, they, I, my parents like came from Haiti. Like they did this for me. This is an amazing area. They want mm-hmm. me to have a good education. It's all out of love. But because I lived it personally and I know what I went through, 
I can see through. Like, you know, mm-hmm. every generation becomes more like we learn from our parents, not mistakes. Yeah. But, like, you just learn from what other people have gone through. So mm-hmm. there's no way, like, and I'm doing that out of love for my kid. It's not going to make my kid anything. It's mm-hmm. going to make my kid feel loved and accepted and like yeah. be even more themselves. Exactly. Really. Exactly. And, and that was the argument I had with my mom because I think she kind of took it personally because we do live in this nice white town. Mm-hmm. And she was like, but you got into Howard. Yeah. She was like, but you got into Howard and they provided you with so many opportunities. And I was like, and thank you, mom. Of course. But yeah, those opportunities yes. will help me help my kids. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Without the mental trauma, you know? Exactly. <laughs> Period. So I kind of wanted to go into how the abolition of police and like the prison system would maybe affect, because I know a lot of people's big thing is, well, what about, which is stupid anyway, because they were like, what about drug addicted people, right? What about murderers? What about rapists? What are we going to do about them? And I know, I know probably like, because I seen the face when I said the drug addicted people, but the fact that that's such a big concern among people, when really they don't need jail, they need help. Uh, What's your take on that? (laughs) People don't understand, like, crime isn't random. Uh-huh. Most, pretty much every, like, obviously, like, rapists have been around. But if you look at the opioid epidemic and, like, people robbing from pharmacies and stealing from yeah. grocery stores, you see what's causing them to do this. Is uh-huh. it these people just wanting to steal some random prescription? Or can they not afford, like, insulin for their dying child? So they have to go and steal it because the government makes insulin 300 when it's only $3 to manufacture. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like crime isn't random. It's done because people haven't been able to meet their basic needs. So they have to go through other ways. That's mm-hmm. why and everything just pit, like not pinball, snowballs off of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So unless you can look at like, that's like the big picture is everything. So pretty much, but what about robbers, murderers? Crime isn't random. Most of the times it happens when someone has been unable to meet their basic needs, so they have to do so through other means. So by taking money away from the police and towards services that actually meet those needs, we'll be able to get to a place where people don't need to rob banks. Mm-hmm. Again, to really fight crime, we don't need more cops. We need more exactly. jobs, more educational opportunities, more mental health resources. Mm-hmm. And another thing is that it's not just that police like aren't effective, but like they're actively harmful. Yeah. So like I don't know why people still think that police are these like heroes who like like are here to save. They us. don't even stop crime. Yeah, yeah they come after. Like I don't know why people think like nine one one is just their personal like oh, I'm safe. I have the police. I'm <laughs> safe. Anything happens to me, I just call the police and safe. Yeah. Like, like wow. Like what you want to be safe. You want to be safe, purchase a gun and take some classes. That's how you get safe. Exactly. um, There's this guy that I follow, Maj Ture, and I don't agree with everything that he says, but I do agree with his perspective on um, guns and educating the Black community on how to properly protect themselves. He was basically, yeah, and he basically was saying, because he's anti-police too, because he's a libertarian, so like, you know, he's Mm pro-capitalism and stuff, but um, he pointed out, he was like, Think about it, guys, right? A woman gets raped in this system and she kills her rapist because the police aren't going to be able to stop her while she's getting raped. No. So she protects herself in that situation. Nine times out of ten, that woman's going to jail for the rest of her life. Antonia Brown. Does that make sense? Does that make sense to people? Yeah. Like, you, you, you walk in on somebody murdering your family and unless you're rich and you kill that person, you're probably going to spend some jail time. Yeah. Right. But but with the police, because the police prefer you to call them and wait for them to get there, which you probably would have been dead already. <laughs> and it's the same thing with like somebody robbing your house. You find somebody robbing your house and you hide. OK, let's say you don't want to go in guns blazing. You hide and you call the police. When the mm-hmm. police get there, your shit is gone. How like this, this idea of like the police being this like saver because like if they came from slave patrols mm-hmm. like the slaves who were um who ran away they weren't attacking the white people so like yeah i'm just trying to see where this like police are our saviors like is coming from maybe it's the government pushing it on people and telling them that you're safe now but so many people have this like blind like 
faith and tie to police and to the government. Like, you know, people are just like willing to fight to the death to defend the government when they don't even know anything. Yeah. Like, people have that with police. Like, yeah. I, I don't understand where it comes from. Remember in the beginning of this whole thing, like there was this argument on by Republicans that white people get killed more than black people, which was incorrect statistically because we get killed at a higher rate. But mm-hmm. even if you ignore that, even if you ignore basic statistical knowledge, don't you see how that's a problem? Yeah. Hundreds of you guys are getting killed by the people that protect you, right? Yeah. Like it's Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I read this thing and it was like, yeah, number of citizens killed by police in 2019. Denmark had zero, Switzerland had zero, and this isn't black citizens, this is just citizens, so just Mm -hmm. police killing the people who they're supposed to be protecting. Japan had two, New Zealand had one, United Kingdom three, Finland three, Australia four, France 26, United States 1,004. Yeah. 1,004, like, what's the problem in that? Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Like, I I don't understand. No, but we're the freest country. We're the best country. We have the highest incarceration rate, but we're the freest country. Number one. Number one. Literally, so even like, if you look at the policy, even like taking away the incarceration rates, there's a, a database that actually goes by policy, incarceration rate, uh, police violence, all of that. And they accumulate all that data and make a ranking every year of the freest countries, right? Okay. Every year since 2010, we've been steadily dropping on that list, and now we're number 14, right? And I think the first one is one of the either either like Sweden or Nor or Norway Finland or something like probably. that. Yeah, Finland probably. Yeah, um, it was one of those kind of countries. But to me, that is so insane because Americans still believe that we are the freest country, and it's not even factually true anymore. Pretty sure we're yeah. like 60 in education. Like, yeah. We have the most mass shootings. Like, and the reason why people think that isn't because they think that. It's because the government tells them that. Mm-hmm. Like, we're number one. We're the best. We've been the best. Make, mm-hmm. Making kids say the Pledge of Allegiance from every morning. Wear mm-hmm. to a flag. Like, that stuff, like, without people even realizing it, it, like, brainwashes them and makes them have this blind, like, faith and time i'm a patriot and america's the best and they don't even know anything and that's how most of what i'm supporters that's how most like republicans and conservatives and people who just have this blind faith and patriotism and love for america like if you really love america you don't love america Mm -hmm. if you really love america you see what it could be you see the possibilities you see that we're supposed to be free and you're you hate the america that is right now because this isn't what america really is right Mm-hmm. But people who are so, I love my country, oh, I'm not going to criticize my country because I love it. Like, that's not that's so stupid. You're it's just not, lazy. You just don't want to deal with the real issues. You're not even worth my time. I said something, <laughs> I said something today on my story um, that kind of relates to what you said mm-hmm. a bit, which is like, I don't see why conservatives are so adamant on keeping everything the same when it's so obvious that the country's dying. And I was like, they say that COVID, um, COVID kills people with pre, pre-existing conditions, right? Mm-hmm. And I say evidently that's true for countries as well. COVID isn't ripping through America because we of individuals' choices. It's ripping through America because America is disease-ridden, right? It's ripping through America because we literally are, and not even, not even getting into our health issues, we're disease-ridden as far as the way that we are, our political climate is, right? Our racial climate is, mm. right? On both people sides, we have people, yeah, yeah, exactly. On both sides of the spectrum, we have people protesting every day. Why? Because just like you said with the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, mm. we're going to care more about protesting our brothers and sisters dying than we, care, than we care about an illness that we can't see. So, um, and it's the same way with um, Republicans, which even though their reason is stupid for protesting, they do see that as a bigger and badder issue than COVID, right? You see it with the um, the way that we, oh, the way that we keep allowing big stores like Walmart and Costco to be open, right? Mm-hmm. But small mom and pop shops are forced to close. Why do you think that's happening? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, you know, like, exactly. that was made in this pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, I just and it's wish like, like that veil could be taken off of people's eyes. Like mm-hmm. it's just the same. Capitalism, greed, imperialism. 
Mm-hmm. It's all it's all one thing. Um, in my per- previous episode, my guest Jason he made an analogy, and he was like, "Capitalism, think of it as like this big ugly monster, right?" Mm-hmm. And liberals and conservatives they don't want to kill the monster. Conservatives love it like their pet. Liberals say that well, we shouldn't kill the monster because it's it's killing it, right? That's wrong, mm-hmm. right? Oh. And then leftists obviously we think we should cut the head off. Yeah. Okay? Um, yeah. thing he said was. Think of this monster as having regenerative abilities, right? So conservatives don't want you to chain up their monster at all, but liberals have made them compromise that this monster should be chained up. So the first thing we do is we chain it up, we tie up their arms, right? The monster starts growing out more arms, right? And they start pushing through the seams of the strings. So what did the liberals say? Yeah, they're like, oh, let's cut the arms off. Just cut the arms off. He said, okay, well, the arms are still growing. And guess what? While they're cutting off all the arms, there's one arm at the bottom of the monster in its back that's dug into the ground and that arm is racism and it's the arm that they refuse to cut <laughs> bruh can you send me that <laughs> wow yeah and wow. i thought <laughs> wow i never heard that so i've had said that like this episode would also be talking about like abolition and how it might relate to anarchy as well um do you have any takes on that and like how it would look um, well, yes. Let me just say something that's just a fact. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. If you look through history, every revolution, French Revolution, Haitian Revolution, mm-hmm. they, these events, violence had to occur. And it's not because the people who are doing it wanted just to cause violence. It's because that was the only way mm-hmm. for the change to occur. Like, take Haiti, for instance. I'm Haitian. The Haitian people killed every last white person on the island Mm -hmm. the kids their dogs the grandmas the the capturers the plantation owners everyone because they had to do it for their survival and they became the first black republic and helped free all these other countries Mm -hmm. so when people say oh why why are you going through violence why anarchy why why are you causing all this i'm sorry i'm not sorry but i'm (laughs) sorry in a sarcastic way but this is the only way that the change will come like they're they're not listening to us we've been protesting we've been asking listen to me let me read this one thing so mlk got shot and so did malcolm they lynched black men in suits they shot kids with their pants sagging they beat slaves that said yes sir they beat slaves that said no sir Mm -hmm. there's no respectability politics when they don't respect you no matter how you go about it even take philando castile for example he literally told him okay sir i'm just gonna let you know i do have a gun so that you won't be afraid and God was like, okay, don't grab it. He was like, okay, I'm letting you know I'm grabbing my ID. You literally hear him say that. What does a cop do? Empty his gun into that man's chest. Yeah. Didn't even let him get out the car. Yeah. And they so, expect us to be respectable. Uh, like, you can't, like, and I'm just tired of having that talk with people mm-hmm. and trying to, like, convince it's, them or make them see like it's why i can't talk to progressives i can't but i had a debate with this um progressive guy and he was very adamant about like doing it through peace and not using violence he was so against so you violence. don't know history yeah you don't know you history, don't know history. Know that's exactly what i said that's and then on top of that he was saying like but we do have hope we do have hope through the electoral process and through direct you know action slow democracy it, is exactly how long you expect us to wait exactly like, and the people that do this unequivocally are always not black and i'm like why is it that our lives why is it that our lives are able to be sacrificed for four more years so that you can that's Perfect. how i felt I need to that's write that down. how i felt is they when they want to sacrifice a few more of our lives so that we can get past. That's how I felt when they slapped me in the face with harm reduction when they were talking about Biden and Kamala. I was like, oh, what? I would agree. And they said, harm reduction. Any black person dying because of systemic reasons and because there's a person in power yeah. that wants them dead is an issue. And the fact that liberals and progressives think that it's okay if just a hundred less black people die, if just a hundred less trans people die. What? And it's like, at first I thought they would like, maybe it's because they're not black and mm-hmm. so they don't understand. But me with transgender people, <laughs> I would still be on the side that we're on. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Like... I don't, I don't understand. Like, exactly. I, even, I can't, I can't have that in my life. Like, yeah, exactly. Literally, I broke it down to him. I was like, 
there's no way that you with five progressive see the air quotes progressive because bernie is not as radical as they want him to be neither is aoc um a lot of the people who currently have the power that they have are as radical and progressive as we want them to be why yeah because they wouldn't have that platform be endorsed by all these millionaires exactly you know what i mean like just open your eyes and i was like listen like think about it right you want to put all of your eggs in aoc and elon basket right didn't even know how the democratic process works. There's junior senators, there's senior senators, there's junior reps and there's senior reps. You know who has the power? The senior reps. You know who the senior reps are? The establishment, nigga. Like, wait, <laughs> what stresses me out? What stresses me out is that when I bring that down, I also broke down how backroom dealing works. AOC can bring up a Medicare for all, um, legislation all she wants to and it could be pure as hell but once it gets to that floor right mitch mcconnell's gonna add in his shit all right um diane feinstein's gonna add in her shit nancy pelosi is gonna take out some shit and then what do we have a whole lot of loopholes see this is (laughs) what you're saying is the exact same thing which is like the lesser two evils fight Mm -hmm. (laughs) they don't understand that you have to think long term if the dnc sees that you're just like your parents and you vote blue no matter who, mm-hmm. we're not gonna give you a progressive candidate for the next term. We're exactly. gonna see, oh, we can just give them another Biden and they'll be satisfied with it because literally they think it's some progress, right? It's, it's something. Obama nah. literally prided himself on being a conservative Democrat. He literally was like, I have friends yeah, on the Obama. other side. Like, Oof. Yeah. representation is not liberation Let me it, it right, definitely is not it definitely is not i don't care if it's a black woman or a white man who are is sending me to jail for life over marijuana I'm i don't care oh, yeah. I'm a mother like literally okay so in stockton san francisco is like a few hours away from stockton and that's where i'm from i'm from stockton right Kamala Harris actually had a thing that she liked to do, which was put a restraining order on people for the entire Bay Area. So they would have to leave San Francisco, they would have to leave Oakland, they would basically have to move to the Valley and come to Stockton. That's why a lot of people in Stockton have like Bay Area accents. And- I did not know that. Yeah, and so what happens is I go, there's this place called like Ray's Fish that I go to, and the vice presidential debate was on. And Ray looks up at the TV and he's like, turn this bullshit off. I hate that bitch. I agree, right? And he looks at me and he basically tells me his story on why he's even in Stockton. And it's because he has a restraining order that's still active um, where his family had a store in San Francisco. He grew up in San Francisco, it's all he knew. Mm -hmm. And he was actually in college, home for college when this happened. There were these dealers who would sell in front of their house, I mean, in front of their um, store allegedly is what he told me and he said that she started questioning him they well her office started questioning him had him questioned and he said he grew up with these people he wasn't gonna say shit right and he was like i'm not involved he's like i'm not involved anyway i'm not the one selling drugs i'm a college student i don't have to answer your question exactly and he and he and he thought that since he was a college student who doesn't even primarily live in the area he was just home Mm -hmm. for vacationing right he thought if he just left it alone acted like he didn't know what was going on they would leave him alone what happened was kamala herself literally started getting pissed off because he was fucking with her case and put a restraining order on him from the entire city of san francisco and oakland and said that he was a menace to society so he had to move to stockton and he got kicked out of school she she ruined his life the whole trajectory of his life wow Okay. <laughs> like okay. It's like I know people to this day who have literally been affected Personally. by this. Yeah. God. I have family who who has gone to jail because of Biden's super predator remarks. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, Same thing. Did you see how Kamala wouldn't allow trans people to stay with the inmates who were there like identifying gender? Mm-hmm. So, like let's say I said I'm a trans woman because I am a woman. Mm-hmm. She wouldn't let her stay with the women. Yeah, the men, and then these these trans women are getting raped. Yes, because you won't uh, like acknowledge their identity. Like exactly. That's why I was so mad. And like, cause we go to Howard, all the Howard accounts were like posted. Kamala, oh my gosh, uh, it was stressing Howard's me out. in the house. Yes, Howard's in the house. But who? It, like, are you proud to right. tie yourself with her? 
I'm exactly. like, ugh. Like, I don't understand. Like, literally, she doesn't even take the things that she's done to people's lives seriously. The uh, fact that there's that clip of her laughing about the bill she passed where she decided it was okay to send moms to jail because mm-hmm. their kids couldn't get to school. She was laughing about it. The time when she, she even like, answered the questions that they mm-hmm. did. Yeah. When she went to yeah. the breakfast club and was laughing about how much she smokes weed. You know how I many people are in jail to this day because of you over weed? Oh, I really want her to come on campus. Just come say hi to us. Come say hi so I can you know she will. let you know how I feel. You know she will. Because we're down the street. She will, and we're definitely going to say something because yes. it just hurts me that the first Black black woman in the White House is her. Like, why her? Like, she's not us. Like, you know, I, I, I don't even like saying she's a Black woman because a Black person would not do that to Black people. Like, exactly. Ugh. You know why it was her though? Not liberation. Because it was between her and Stacey Abrams. And the only reason I can come up with for why Stacey Abrams wasn't chosen was because of colorism, because of blatant old racism, and because of body shaming. Okay, stop. Because that's the only reason. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you just said that. The thing is, you see how much Stacey Abrams said. You see how many people she got to vote Mm -hmm. in in Georgia. But, but, because she's a a bigger black Mm -hmm. woman, she's black, she's not, hmm, what is she? Yeah, she's a black woman with black Don't wear wings, yeah, exactly. That's why. That's literally why. I wouldn't want her to be with Biden. Exactly. You know, he I would have poisoned by him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? I, I literally say all the time, I never trust any black woman who has her hair straight at all times. You're like, not, like, okay. If you don't have a pride in being black, and if you uh-huh. truly, like, oh, always hair straightened, even, even, like, the way she, like, you know how we're just, like, unapologetic? Mm-hmm. Like, you think because she went to Howard, she'd be just, like, like her yeah. stuff, you can tell. Like she puts up a front for these white. She people. has a white man, straight hair, white man, and she also likes to blatantly point out how she's also. I didn't know Indian. that. Yeah. I didn't know that. <laughs> listen, listen. She's following <laughs> the same trope. She literally follows the same trope as Black Republicans because if you look at any of the prominent Black Republicans, Candace <laughs> Owens, Brandon Tatum, the Hodge twins, they <laughs> all have. They all have white significant the Attorney others. General for Breonna Taylor. Yes. Bruh. They all have Bruh. they all have white significant others. And if they have if they're a woman, they have straight hair at all times. Candace Owens is literally sacrificing the hair on her head to straighten it every damn day. You there, see it dying. There's you a look. There's a look <laughs> yeah. that black conservatives have. You know, I could just hear your voice and just just look at you for five minutes and I know. Mm-hmm. Like do you see I don't even know her name, but there's this one like super conservative black like she's like young like she's maybe a year older than us and she's like a super like conservative black girl and she just speaks so like um like angry like me and my family oh her (laughs) yeah that that girl look at her hair like all i have to do is look at you for five seconds and i know exactly 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 and it's the same Uh, thing and they have such a like i'm not like those other like i'm not like them other niggas like mentality Right, mm. like, it's, it's an internalized self hatred. It is. It's just people who were raised around, because like I was raised a lot around a lot of white people too. But I always had this like pride in being black, and like I feel like the people who, and it's not just them, because like maybe their parents. You know, some people's parents are a little more like, not like, what's it? Like, you just you don't want to cause drama with the white people, so you'll like please them. You'll be less yourself. You'll change the way you talk around them. So I feel like those because like cj pearson his, his parents are probably like, like the young people because mm-hmm. i didn't know they were like young black conservatives but i yeah. feel like they're like this because they were raised with this image of like black people being like these violent and and like savages and they just have this internalized self-hatred i don't want to be like that i'm a good black i'm a, I'm a good black i wear suits i i i love america so the, it's like an internalized please me like to the white people i want you to mm-hmm. accept me and that's where it all comes from. And, and that's why they love their straight. And that's why they don't love their nappiness. And and all of it is so that the white man will give you a gold star. You know what's um, really interesting to me is 
okay, so around the time, Ahmaud Arbery, right? Mm-hmm. Literally, made, because Black conservatives, they're usually a united front, right? That's pretty, it's a pretty strong party. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, they're yeah. a strong party. They're prideful oh, of themselves. Yeah. They need each other. Ahmaud so Arbery out. almost yeah, broke them. Ahmaud Arbery almost broke them because, okay, around that time, like I said, I was a libertarian, so I was following a lot of Black conservatives, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, Ahmaud Arbery was what broke me off of them. It's what broke a lot of Black conservatives off oh, of them. Oh, okay. Because what happened was, there were the Black conservatives like Maj Ture, Angela Stanton. Um, um, there's a lot of them who are unapologetically Black, right? They still talk with Ebonics. They don't care. They don't give a fuck that they're conservative. They value conservative values, which is a problem in itself. But they don't let that affect their Blackness, right? Um, they don't ascribe to the white version of conservatism. So I would see a lot of them being like, you know, this was fucking wrong. Like, this was wrong. We need to talk about how it was wrong. And we need to point this out. So their whole thing is that they want Black people to stop seeing the Republican Party as a racist party. Yeah, but but they, just, uh, yeah. but they um, that started a whole big rift. And it was basically like the Maj Therese and the Angela Stantons versus the Candace Owens and the Brandon Tatums. And they basically were like, the Brandon Tatums and um, Candace Owens were saying like, Oh, Ahmaud Arbery deserved to be shot, obviously. You know, the same coon shit. They, yeah. Wait, they actually said that? Yes, they <laughs> did. Yes, they were adamant that he deserved to be shot. He was wrong. He was in that neighborhood. He didn't have no business being in that neighborhood because he lived far away. Why was he running in cargo shorts? Oh, my gosh. And they said he was going into that, like, abandoned. Whoa, mm. you just reminded me. Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah, oh so that rift that rift started to get bigger and bigger when Breonna Taylor died, bigger and bigger, because the, the, the Black conservatives who aren't, I wouldn't say they're coons, they're just ignorant, right? Mm-hmm. They were starting to get pissed off at their counterparts. They were like, are you serious? Like, are you yes. serious? Because they can see. Because yeah. there are differences. I do know the two groups you're talking about. Yes, I just never exactly. really, like, looked at it like that. But yeah. there are two groups of Black and Tony. And it's like, I found it very mm-hmm. interesting because I was in it. And it was like, it was like, they were really debating. Like, it was a big thing. Like, the Black Conservative Party was really breaking apart. And it did end up breaking yeah. apart into, like, the Black Libertarians versus the Black Conservatives. And, and I found that very interesting because that is how you know a coon from a, a person who actually has beliefs, right? Yeah because oh my god so true mm-hmm. because true. like what are you no doing? no wow. no self-respecting black person is going to be able to watch a video of somebody the their brother or sister getting murdered in the streets for no good reason and, and say that was okay people. exactly like so that's why that's yeah it's self-respect and it's like uh, like Kalyan Noir, he 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 lost a lot of his fan base, but he didn't give a fuck because he was like, because he's like a, a a guns rights advocate, and you know white people they love a black conservative, mm-hmm. right? They love a black guns rights advocate. Need their yeah. little token, yeah. Mm-hmm. So he made his video when Ahmaud Arbery died because he's a lawyer too. So mm-hmm. he was like, I'm gonna tell you this from a gun owner's perspective and a lawyer's perspective. First, I want to say this to my black people. This is why y'all should have a gun. I would have much rather yeah. have a gun and kill them white people. Than him being dead in the street. He said, yeah. I and you I have the NSAC, the Not Fucking Around Coalition. Like they yes. I'm all for it. He he really broke it down to he was like, This, you cannot sit here and say that they had any right to kill this man. Like at all. And he said the same thing with no person with a conscious like self-respect can say that mm-hmm. someone exactly. who knows who they are exactly you know I mean? like the, the kids are so like they don't even know who they are they don't they're like they're like their souls just conflicted like mm-hmm. I, it's something so deep that like i probably won't be able to like pinpoint it to like one thing but like it's just like so lost like I'm sorry. Like once you know the history, like just look back. This is not the first time these things are happening. So mm-hmm. if you just look at how it's been solved, how things were dealt with, like once you know history, like that's how I, I'm able to know that abolition can be achieved. So the people who don't even have like an open imagination to like what's possible, like like you you won't be able to really fight and like you know the people who are like on the front lines of the protests they're very like mm-hmm. I wanted to yeah. find out because you know how earlier we were talking about how those uh 
people that were organizing the protests would be like less radical. Uh, I remember seeing something like earlier on when the protests were happening where they were like, as this, pro as this movement gets bigger, we need to realize that there's gonna be a lot of organizers who are doing this for clout and don't actually believe in it. That was the one in my, in my community. Mm -hmm. like he, he made a GoFundMe with made over 2000 and no one knows where the money went. Mm -hmm. Like that, it's not a true, he's not really about this. Exactly. Right. Of course, this is some girl on Twitter. She said, my anger is a form of optimism. I'm angry not just because I see colonialism, imperialism, and capitalism ravaging the world, but because I believe we can destroy these parasitic institutions and all get free. If mm -hmm. I didn't believe that, I wouldn't bother being so angry. Exactly. And that's, that's everything. Yeah. Like that, like I like it. that. I really <laughs> I like really that. Do. And that concludes part one of episode two on abolition and the Black experience with Endora. Thank you for listening. And as always, stay radical, you guys. Hope to see you again soon.